listeners. I have a surprise. We have an old friend. Introduce yourself. Oh, wait, is that me? Oh, <laughs> hi. I'm Ryan. Um, anybody who's listened to the show in like the last three months has no idea who I am. But everybody who's listened since day one, all our, all our old school loyal followers uh, know that I, I once upon a time used to do this quite often. Um, mm-hmm. But I'm back. I'm not mm-hmm. dead. Yay! I promise. <laughs> Risen from Valhalla. Yay, rides back. I wish I had been to Valhalla. That would have been way cooler than what I've actually been doing. So, <laughs> oh, well. catch the world up on what you have been doing. Um. Well, so like there was this unfortunate thing called school and 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 work that um, got in the way of our season starting. Um. Mm. So. After the off season, and we didn't really have a whole lot that we were doing, then everything geared back up to get back into weekly recording and all the article writing that I did all of last season. And I just kind of found myself short on spare time, um, unfortunately. But um, you know that if if you wanna if you wanna be a, a pharmacist and make a lot of money, sometimes you have to put the work in for it. Apparently, <laughs> so. Um, yeah, life life does get in the way. Of course, we've all had our moments with that. So, um, but you guys need you guys needed like a, a pinch hitter today. So I stepped up. Yeah. But despite the incredibly <laughs> creepy opening, it's so good to have you back, dude. <laughs> As Lucas said, the OG squad. Yeah. We should get t-shirts. That's right. We should. Oh, we should. That's we a should. Th- that's, no, that's a, we, we have to be careful saying that now because that used to just be a thing we'd casually throw out. But now people literally do like make T-shirts and stickers and mugs of our random catchphrases and send them to people. So that's true. <laughs> things we say might actually just start showing up. We have to seriously if we really if RJ, want it. Yeah, I mean, if RJ wants to make us a mug, this is OG squad. I'll take it. We're all for that for yeah, sure. I know. And get like uh, caricatures with the huge heads <laughs> of oh, our faces man. on it. Yeah. I feel like that'd be great. <laughs> It'd be cooler than a Big Daddy Lucas mug, although that's pretty cool. That is pretty cool. It's a that's super dope mug. <laughs> um, so Utah Royals reserves win the Central Region of the Women's Premier Soccer League two one over Fortuna Tulsa. Ryan, you were the guy on this Royals Reserves team, and I know we've had conversations about the the lack of coverage for this team. And admittedly, like I am complicit in it. Probably everyone is complicit in not supporting this team as much as they should outside of you. So I'm just going to give you the floor, and you talk about this and how important this win is and uh, what happens next. Because just because they're region champions they still have a couple more games yeah there's a bit more to go and i mean i you know i honestly don't blame anybody for not being on top of this stuff because it i mean it's an interesting situation because it it comes down to like i honestly don't know and this is something that maybe we need to reach out to to stephanie lee the royals gm and see if she'll talk to us about it like what exactly they're plan for that reserve team is and what its purpose is because right now it just kind of seems like a thing to have and i don't honestly know like what their goal is in terms of you know what they're i mean i'm sure you know amy lapalbet who's their head head coach and is and is laura's assistant is watching the players and and the the well you know the current college talent that's there is always a potential for a future draft pick of course, but it just kind of feels like this placeholder, like, oh, we should have a reserve team right now. And then they're playing in a, in a league that, I mean, I've, I've been vocal before about my thoughts on WPSL and what I think of them. Um, you know, they're this huge league of a hundred plus teams that, you know, I have no idea what their staffing is like, but I can't imagine they've got the resources in place to actually, you know, truly give full coverage and exposure to that many teams. And then, you know, you never know what the teams themselves do for their own promotion and social media. So, and these are all, you know, semi-pro or, or, you know, partially amateur 
you know, just local clubs out there in a lot of ways. So it's, it's, you know, it doesn't shock me that not a whole lot gets said about it, but, um, you know, at least like the Royals are now that they're in the playoffs, they're regularly saying, Hey, they have a game. Hey, they won, you know, congratulations and all that stuff, which is great for me to see because I, um, you know, I followed RSL women and I, and then this team too. So it's good to see them get some recognition and some mentions. But um, anyway, so yeah, they they did have a. I only got to go to two of their games because they uh, they uh, scheduled them all when I was at work. Of course, why did they? They should have known. Um, mm-hmm. I thought the schedule was written with me in mind, but apparently not. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, so I, I went to their first game and their last game. And uh, the cool thing about that, I in a way, was that in their first game they won but they didn't really look like they were connected with each other. And I, and I ended up asking one of the players' moms that I know, um, you know, how long they'd been practicing. And they, they had been together for maybe two weeks hmm. before their first game. Wow. Um, so, so that kind of explained a little bit of what I saw play-wise from them. They just they had the talent to overcome the opponent, but not really any sort of sense of what it was like to play together. By that last game, though, they were you. You could see they'd built the relationships. They they had the understanding of each other's tendencies, and, and the coaching had been able to mold them into a, a much better team. And so now, when they go out and play um, outside of their their conference, which was you know mostly, which is well, it was all Utah and Colorado teams. You know they they went to Minnesota this last weekend for the the regional playoffs played a club from St. Louis in the first round and, and and scored some great goals, won that one two to nothing. Um and they but you can see the passing is sharp and they're and they're they've got a plan and a vision of what they're doing. Um and then yeah, played uh Fortuna Tulsa. That's such a cool name. I mean, as much as people rag on copying European soccer names and the grief RSL gets over that whole thing. Um <laughs> They their logo looks like the because um, they they borrowed that from Fortuna Düsseldorf in the Bundesliga, and their the F on their logo looks just like the one from Germany. Uh, mm-hmm. And then they just kind of adapted their own color scheme and the year they were founded into it. It's a really neat looking thing. But um, mm-hmm. but yeah, they uh, um, then the reserves played uh, that Tulsa team um, yesterday. And won that game two to one. Actually went up went up two nothing at halftime, and then uh, Tulsa got a, a good one later on in the in the second half and kept pushing towards the end. But fortunately for uh, for the local fans here, our team won, and so now they'll get to uh, come back to Utah, relax a little bit, and then they've got a, a trip out to Stillwater, Oklahoma, uh, which is where Oklahoma I believe that's Oklahoma State that's there university and uh they they've got a match against oh gosh i wrote the article on that and then i forgot who is it playing oh motor city fc uh, a team from detroit um is their their league semifinal opponent and then um the other semifinal is the seattle sounders uh women and pensacola fc um there were the two other regional winners um Sounders, I think, are the defending league champions for WPSL. So um, this is where it kind of gets interesting to see, like, is this team really good enough to be competitive with sort of the the renowned powerhouses of WPSL that are traditionally their their better teams? Um, And then for me, I always, I mean, we'll never know this, but I'm curious how this team would compete with the teams that RSL women used to play in uh, United Women's Soccer, because uh, they're, um, I don't know, I just kind of think their level of, of talent and, and coaching was a little bit, kind of a higher level, but th- that could just be a matter of opinion too. So, um, But anyway, that's kind of the rundown on, on what's going on with them, though. Um, we will definitely, I'm going to keep my eye on, because um, they do... Um, they have been doing streams of their playoffs hmm. and and making those games visible. So um, semifinals Friday night and then the finals on Sunday. So um, when I get links, we'll get them out on our 
all of our appropriate channels and make sure people know where to watch them. Yeah. Keep an eye out. It's exciting stuff. Yeah. It's really exciting stuff, especially with the talks of, you know, there may, there may be being a, you know, uh, an Academy out. I don't know if that'll happen, but you know, with the, we're previously talks that. So sort of the, the beginning stages of the pipeline sort of coming together. Yeah. Super cool. All right. Um, so looking around the league, we are seeing a league attendance bump post-World Cup, which is what we want to see. It's not a huge bump, but it's it's good. It's good to see that. So um, Portland had 18,909 people come out to their home game against uh, Orlando, which was a heck of a game. It was the first – it was actually the first uh, – game out on espn news the broadcast quality was great with dallin uh you know with um dallin cuff and um you know the other folks as a part of that um solid game ended uh 4-3 um orlando equalized in the 90th and then portland scored a game winner a little bit after that um north carolina they also had a bump they jumped they had they jumped uh to 6,216 in attendance compared to around 5,000 what they had before. Uh, Houston also had about um, a thousand and a half people jump. Uh, Sky Blue, not so much, only 400 people jump at 1,842. But the fact that people are coming out and it's not just, oh, you know, People are, we, we looked at those images and I know, you know, you have some strong feelings about this, Cindy, um, but we, we, we look at Kansas City and those watch parties and well, there's other factors to it, right? If you have those, you know, multiple thousands of people and they're not coming out to games, they didn't come out to, um, you know, the Blues games, um, it just doesn't reciprocate. So that's so important. Yeah, I think that's, yeah, that's cool. It's cool to see just Portland. I know. Portland is like the model, but you have to give them props just for, um, you know, the people that go to the games and they fill the stadium and the atmosphere and we can talk about not liking Portland and, but they really have a motto that hopefully the rest of the NWSL will catch up. I don't know what's in the water there, but you know, they get it. And so it's just really cool, especially for a game yesterday on national TV where it's like the first game on the whole ESPN schedule and it's in Portland and it's a stadium and it's filled, you know, as compared if they would have had it in Orlando where um, attendance is a little sad, but um, yeah, it's cool to see this attendance bump um, and that happened in 2015. So hopefully that keeps up. Um, I mean, I think I'm a product of 2015 as well, as far as like noticing the NWSL. So, Hopefully other people catch on. I think the team is a lot more visible now than they were four years ago. So, I don't know. That's my thought on that. For sure. And, I mean, so one thing I was going to say, just the cool thing about Houston's number is it wasn't just a, a jump in attendance for them, but they also, um, because of the way they utilize that stadium in Houston, which is the same one the Dynamo were in, uh, that was a sellout for them. Um that 5,300. So, I mean, that's, that's a cool fact. Like that's one of the bigger crowds that they've been able to get to come see the dash in quite a while. So that's, that's great for Houston. I like seeing that. Um, yeah. The, the whole, the whole frustrating thing. And a lot of people had comments on this right at the end of, you know, right after the, the U S won the world cup was where was the marketing where was the where were the messages where was the you know like nwsl should have been so ready to jump on that and 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 grab people because this is like this is the moment right here it's it you know two world cup wins in a row and and four all time and and the you know you know that such a history of winning and i i wrote an article for soapbox on that too that you know, now is the time to, to absolutely not let this this swell of excitement die and recognize that, you know, to, um, hearing Megan Rapino say that 
on countless interviews that she's done since then. Uh, come back and watch us in Seattle, in Portland, in Orlando, where we're still playing soccer. It's not just the next friendly or the next World Cup qualifying match for the national team. We do this for our job all the time. And, and, and you've got to come out and watch it. Um, so, you know, hopefully the ESPN thing helps. Hopefully the, the Budweiser sponsorship gets some money coming in so that they can do more to engage the fan bases and, and make this a, a, a big thing and then get expansion going and get the salaries improved and all that stuff that we've, that we've been wanting for these teams so that it's, it's a real viable option so that we don't have, you know, so many situations like, like RSL's draft or sorry, the Royals draft picks last year, who, who just kind of walked away from soccer halfway through the season and the players that retire early because it's not a job that they can hold and, and have a life doing that's so critical to where we're going with this. So I'm, I'm hoping to see some, some good things come from this. Yeah, for sure. I'm glad you bring up salary too. Cause that's so, so important. I know we talked about this last week um, and I, I grossly overvalued what Sam Johnson was making. I said she was probably going to be in the, the uh, like low thirties, low forties. I forget um, her salary this year was $23,000. Wait, yeah, you're a special soccer player. Sam Johnson. Sam Johnson. She oh. posted that on her Instagram. Yeah. She did? Was, yeah, yeah. She she said she made six thousand the first year she got signed. Wow. And then yeah, about what well, is like twenty twenty three or twenty six this last year. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. You understand why why you give it up. Yeah. But, well I yeah. get it. Improvements step by step. All right, y'all. Shall we talk about the last game? If we must. Yeah, if we must. So um, we're going to take a little bit of a different note. And, you know, I feel normally as a podcast, we're, we're pretty positive. And I want to be cautious about being critical of the club um, because we all love this club. We want the club to do well. Um, we're going to have Becca Moros, Samantha Johnson, and the athletic trainer, Emily Fortunato, on in mm. the next month. And so it feels sort of uncomfortable to criticize the club. But I think that uh, we have a responsibility to ourselves as journalists, as fans, and as folks who listen to this podcast, hopefully rely on week in, week out. Um, and, you know, a lot of the negativity that's going to come from the rest of this podcast isn't from a, like, you know, oh, oh, you know, we're, we're shit and we're done and, you know, it's over. Uh, not to sugarcoat things. Like, it's not the end of the world, but it was bad. We were really, really bad. And I feel like we've been bad for a little bit. Um, the World Cup, post-World Cup, is a time to capitalize on the market to get people in and say, yeah, women's soccer is super entertaining and important and you should care about it. In the um, Orlando Portland game absolutely did that. But the Utah sky blue game was uh, the first game after the world cup ended. And that was an extremely boring game. You could not pay me to watch that game again. And I feel terrible saying that because I love this club. I love this team. I love covering it. I love talking about it. It's why we all do this for free and we're fans and we love interacting with those players, right? But performances like that are probably not going to make people want to invest or, you know, uh, it's probably going to perpetuate stereotypes about Woso being bad if you're just going to pass the ball around the back and not really do anything with it or not have any energy, uh, like our listener Nick B said, on a positive note, that was not the first game the NWSL televised nationally on ESPN after the Women's World Cup. I think um, this result, particularly given how badly we needed points, given the energy that should come from Desiree Scott, Katie Bowen, and Rachel Corsi being back, and um, you know to prove that Sky Blue was a fluke because they're still not a good team, it's an incredibly disappointing result. We had some people on Twitter say that this is the most disappointing result in URFC history. People saying things like there was no urgency, no rush, lazy, sloppy, no drive, no effort. 
we're going to read some stats and then let's talk about this particularly. We'll obviously talk about our thoughts and then we'll talk about the listeners' thoughts. So, on the road, Utah Royals FC got outshot 16-9 to by Sky Blue. Four shots on goal, one shot on goal for us. Um, yet, we had 537 passes. They had 389 passes. Uh, we had 50, almost 58% possession of the ball, but we did almost nothing look nothing with it. It seemed like there was no drive, no determination. I don't know. I don't know. I think um, as an overview, before we go into the immediate reactions of what y'all said, of what y'all said on Twitter after the game is um, this food for thought from a great um, friend of ours and fan of the show, Josh Denk. Josh said, this team has scored one goal in the last 450 minutes of play. They haven't scored in the last 344 minutes. I don't know what else there is to say about that. And honestly, I don't either besides like reading the Twitter comments. Yeah, I I get the frustration and the disappointment and, you know, people feeling like this should have been a win and it should have on, on paper. It should have. But I am going to, you know, you can counter, you know, how you used to have, like, point, counterpoint. Wasn't that a show or a movie? Yeah. Oops. Something, something like that. I think I'm going to just defend Laura Harvey a little bit. Um, I think, I think Vero being added late to the injury report killed the game plan. And that's not to say that a game plan is dependent on one player, but... In this case, when you have, you know, your players like a Kristen Press, like a Kelly, like a Becky, gone, um, and then, you know, you're, so much of the game plan, I think the reason why Utah did so well, even with, you know, the national team players departing for the World Cup was because um, they had Vero, who is really good on the ball and who is, you know, super creative and that's the main reason why Laura went after her and signed her. So I, I think, in my crazy opinion, <laughs> is, uh, is Vero being out really just killed the game plan. And that changed everything. And then you have players like uh, Rachel Corsi and Katie Bowen, who, you know, they, yeah, they played in a World Cup, but they're still kind of getting you know, reintegrated and back into the team. So there was all these like crazy factors that were kind of going against Utah that I don't think Laura maybe prepared too much for it or even just the team as a whole. But um, that's my thought on that uh, as far as like what happened. But, you know, even Scott was back as well and that was good. But, you know, this game ends in a draw and we're like, okay, whatever, move on. But I think the way it ended it's probably the most disappointing thing um because their defense has been so solid and i think the defense just got caught sleeping i think corsi gave didn't put the pressure enough on jen hoy to get something you know like it's to me from the last time i saw it it seemed like corsi was just watching what hoy's move was going to be and didn't really do anything about it um which is crazy because Corsi is like a world-class defender, right? So, um, yeah, I think it was just game plan gone wrong, not executed, because you lose your most important player, and that really stinks. I ag agree, but I also disagree with that. I didn't. I thought Corsi, Rodriguez, and Scott were fantastic. Um, you know, coming back from the World Cup, I didn't think Cody. I don't think Katie. Bowen was was terrible by any means for me it's just the lack of intent you'd see um trying to get the ball forward and no one's making other runs to try to get in um you know um there was the the, the one opportunity where you know gunny got the rebound off the um you know off the side post but it just felt like there were when there were not enough runs being made to look like you want to score and when there were, there just was not that additional support. 
I felt like, uh, you know, from from the get go, it it almost seemed like a game that, I mean, how badly did you even want to win this game? From from my perspective, the defense wasn't bad. It was just you know a last a last second collapse, and I think that was sort of the icing on the cake of the disappointment for me. Um, you know, try other options, uh, bring in McKenzie Doniak earlier, uh, bring in Mallory Weber earlier. Um, obviously, you know, uh, you know, Raisa was injured and unavailable, but in obviously, you know, we, we, we don't know what the locker room looks like. We don't know what trainings look like, but you know, maybe just try Alex Kimball, do, do something, whatever that looks like, put, put numbers forward in a game against sky blue on the road. Right. I don't understand. And obviously I, I'm not Laura and I trust Laura's brain much more than I do. You know, she has the experience. She has the smart, she's incredible, an incredible coach, but I don't understand barring injury. Why you bring in Sydney Mayor Montez in the 88th minute in a game that you should be going for the win for Um, sky blue is a team that, you should go for three points at. And frankly, I think that given the way this team has been playing and how they've dropped from fifth, from first place to fifth place, like you need some confidence. You need some goals. They've scored the lowest amount of goals in the league. You need to put some guns up and go for it. And I did not see that. And so I think the failure to score in this game um, makes me really, really worried about games to come because I think even missing Kelly O'Hara, Becky Sauerbun, Kristen Press, and Vero, like somebody's got to do the job, even if it's not Vero-esque, right? Just put numbers forward, you know, put those cohesive passes together. It's just, for me, it's not good enough. And we've been talking about it not being good enough for going on the game against Houston. So what's that like five, six games now? Anyways, that's my rant. All right. Well, I'll, uh, you know, I'll, I'll even go back further. Like, I feel like we've been saying that there isn't enough creativity since the team started in a way. Um, you know, it just, and a, a realization that I just had in terms of missing players and players coming back is that, unless you're going to start playing Kelly O'Hara as, as a forward, like most of the players that the team lost for the world cup, like except for press, they're defenders. I mean, even Scott in a sense in where she plays in the midfield is a defensive style player. Um, so, you know, we can, we can be happy that we're getting all of our world cup players back, but only one of them is really going to have a huge impact on the offense. Um, unless things are, playing so that Kelly comes forward from right back and gets involved in the offense the way everybody would hope that she does. Uh, so I, you know, I do, I, I agree with, with what's been said about, you know, try something different because in, in so many moments, um, you know, I felt like Gunny every time the ball came to her, she kind of hesitated and, too long to decide what she was going to do with the ball like and we all know she's a great player but i don't know if something's like in her head right now and she just doesn't have the confidence to to be herself or or something because you know she'd get closed down and this is in the defensive third still getting the ball and not turning and trying to find where where the pass out of there is and then and then even when they did you know i thought i thought laddish looked you know, like just unsure and, and slow to respond to things. I, I, Tim rack, like they all just seemed like, okay, we've got the ball. Now what? And you have to be thinking that next thought and, and making that next move before if you're not out thinking the defense, then they just sit and wait for you and you can't generate anything. And I mean, at this point, I'm not even sure that like, I don't know that Vero can do that on her own. Um, it, it, you know, one player can't have a, a, an impact, but unless she's drawing three defenders out of the way and opening up space for her to pass to other people, I, I don't know. It's it's kind of like you say. It's 
it's it's definitely worrying and i i wish there was like a simple obvious button you could push that fixes it but there mm. i guess it kind of isn't i mean i know we've talked about um how bummer a year katie stengel has had but start her up top put mallory weber as the 10 or put erica timrak as the 10 um you know erica timrak particularly and you know to be completely honest she had a horrible game in terms of i think you know, making those passes, but she's very, very technical on the ball. Let her try, uh, you know, obviously, is she going to be as good as Vera in that position? No, but put her in that position to try to make things happen. You know, nothing's going to happen if you don't put number f- numbers forward. And while clean sheets are great, right, you're not going to win every game 1-0, as has been evident. you got to score goals. you got to start to try to score goals, even if that means opening up the midfield, you know? It's just uh, lots of things. All right. Anything else on this before we go into listener reactions? Well, just to add on to what you just mentioned, it did make me think like yeah, that's not a horrible idea because I, I don't always feel like I don't always feel like Erica and, and Mandy have the speed up front to, you know, the pass will come through, but we don't have anybody to chase the ball down past the defender and try and make something happen. Um, so if if she were, you know, but you're putting Labonta in that spot most of the time and leaving her there trying to create something, I I would make that switch, and and let Labonta rove the wing and make the cutting runs and let Erica sit back in the center of the midfield and try and find her, you know, put the ball at her feet and let her get in the box and and create some some chaos in there or something like that. Just the the you know the midfield and then that connection it, it, it needs to be a little faster so I know, guys i have a solution a okay i have a solution we need Chris, Kristen press back oh yeah you know in the thing for me so it's a double-edged sword is because Kristen press is going to solve a ton of these problems no doubt that's that's not a question the problem for me is that Kristen Press should not be the answer to anything. That's, you know, even even if she can be, you know, if you lose someone like Kristen Press, where does that put you? It puts you back like most of last year, which, you know, was still a lot better than the last couple games in terms of effort. You need, I don't know. I don't know if it's a formation change. I don't know if it's an upheave of the roster. Um, but you sh- you know something's got to change and you should not put all that pressure on Kristen Press. It's it's hard when when Amy's the only person running hard and fast at a ball like that and you know it it, it takes to do anything like that you know to make that play happen if you're going to try and send a ball over the top or even a, a a ball a through ball on the ground to a forward you know everything has to go so perfect from from the pass and then the the movement of the players and everything and when you've only got the one person doing it um that limits you know that lets the center backs focus on somebody and it lets the goalkeeper be prepared for what angle shot's going to come from and there's no real way to create any sort of a good chance on that and you know when you're when you're looking at the last game like we said we one shot on goal against sky blue and and I and I hate to harp on them like they're this awful. I mean, right now I'd say even Orlando's playing worse than them. So, and then they they had won the week before, so they're they're not terrible, but still, like yeah, we expected more out of a game like that. And it's it, you know when your outside forwards are not out running their defenders and and making an opportunity for something to happen, it's tough and. It does make you wonder, like with with Kelly coming back, if if the forward line was her and Press and Rodriguez, and you've got uh, Katie Bowen back, you've got Becca Morris to play it outside back, you've got Michelle Maimon who can step in at outside back, you've got Mira Montez if you want to use her, you've um, you know with Corsi and Sauerbrunn back, you could even maybe put Gabby Vincent on an outside back spot or something. You know, I think the defense would be fine, but the, the, those three, 
you know, uh, two current national team players and a, and, a, and a legend running at defenses could get really interesting. And that uh, that would be fun to see. I don't know if it'll happen. Yeah, it's starting to look like uh, the Royals from, you know, last year. There's like, you know, before press where there was just so much they're starting yeah they're starting to be like this reflection of early 2018 where they just couldn't score the goals so i don't know it definitely feels a lot like that um as far as to how we pack the riot on july 27th hopefully people show up keep advertising it keep talking about it because things you know uh obviously this team is much more capable of you know, the disappointment of the last game. And I mm. absolutely believe that we'll see that. And regardless, like, you mm. know, I show up people, let's, uh, let's make it happen. But there's also a game this Friday. So not just the 27th, yeah. but on the 19th and it's Portland and mm. the U S women are back. So why wouldn't you just go to the game? Yeah. Come to all the games, but I get where he's coming from. Cause you know, July yeah. 27th is national TV. That's true. Fair enough. Yeah. All right. So the Royal Bruins, we need Vera back. Kind of a constant theme here. Mm -hmm. uh, Timurak hasn't been good the past couple of games, and Weber should have started over her last game. I think we all kind of agree on that. Wait, um, wait hold on. Is it Weber or Weber? I don't know. We should ask. <laughs> I, I thought it like, was Weber, but. That's what I thought. I don't know. I mean, I go to Weber State University. <laughs> I don't know. Names y'all. I'm sorry. No, it's a it's it's a good and important question. I think there was one time you guys were talking about that and I'm thinking, who the heck are they talking about? <laughs> it's Mallory Weber. Weber. Got it. We'll just call her everything that's not her name. Uh anyways, I agree with that. I think Weber could have started or they both could have started and just put one of them as the ten. Mm whatever floats your boat um three as much as i love becca Mora, she hasn't been all that good Ooh. and may moan should get another chance i don't agree with that i don't think becca Moros has been bad at all mm -mm. i think i think uh you know she was injured a good portion of preseason and trying to get back into the swing of things i know a lot of folks have not been super impressed with um with her like stocked in, but I, I don't really see it. I do think there is this sort of cling to Maymoan mm -hmm. um, because the Royals like won, or you know, they, they that was the opening of the season. The last time she played, they've been, you know, and, and they were winning and they were doing really, really well. But I also don't think that Maymoan was tested a whole ton, mm -hmm. but that's just me. I think she should get another chance. I agree with that. Um, but I think. She, she could be a very good player in this league for a long time. But I think that uh, Becca Moros is a very good, very underrated player right now. What are your thoughts on that, Ryan? About which one? Sorry. Um, Becca Moros versus Maimon. You know, <sighs> you know the, <laughs> well, no, I just, I hate making decisions like that. Um, no, um, I, it, that's, that's an interesting one because I mean, Maimon, beginning of the season, when she had to step in while Morris was hurt, she impressed. She she mm. did really well. Um, and I'll be honest, I haven't – I don't know. I, I wasn't able to watch a whole lot of the games after those first few, and I don't know if she got moved back to the bench just because Morris was healthy and available or if there was uh, you know, like a decline in her play. That, that got her pulled out of the starting lineup, but um, I don't think that it's, I don't think she's not capable. Um, it's, it's one of those tough situations though. And I know we've had some discussions in our, in our chat rooms about um, that. Sometimes Laura will go with a player that she knows and that, you know, there's a reliable history on, um, and and she'll start the players who are the the fixtures in those positions, and it's it's hard to say that. I mean, there's so much value in what Moros brings in terms of her 
her tactical knowledge and and her capabilities as a defender. I, I've said before that she reminds me of Chris Wingard that played for RSL, that uh, he straight up admitted that even when he was 20, he wasn't the fastest person on a soccer field. So he learned to be, uh, you know, aware of, of the situation and and read the read the attack and make sure he was in the right position so that speed wasn't the factor anymore. So, and I feel like that's what Becca does really well is she she tries to make sure her positioning's right and that she tackles well so that she doesn't have to get into a foot race with somebody. Um, so that's kind of what you run into in in talking about taking her off the field is do you put somebody younger and faster out there but who maybe isn't as prepared to um you know deal with the the nuance of a crafty forward who's gonna nutmeg you and and then you know have an open shot at a post with a an exposed goalkeeper um it's it's a tough call um i think there, there are probably, I don't. If I were a coach personally, um, I would try and look for the games where, you know, maybe the forwards aren't as technically gifted, and maybe your overall plan is that you know you're going to be able to press on a team a little bit more, and then you put that player in a situation like that to give them the experience and let them learn in a in a time where it's not, you know. You know, don't do that on Sam Kerr night, maybe, but, um, you know, try to work them in and get them get them real matches where they're where they're having to go out and learn it because practice only goes so far, uh, you know, mm. getting into game situations and being out there on a field with, you know, certainly the advantage of of having Becky Sauerbrunn right next to you, who if you do make a mistake, she's going to see it. And, 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 and with Nicole Barnhart out there, I mean, there's plenty of learning moments in a game where you can rely on your teammates to help you out and figure out what you're not seeing and learn how to read those, those situations. So. Yeah, for sure. And like you said, with that experience, you know, uh, Becca Moros is part of the 100-plus cap club. That's huge in a league that's, you know, this is the set. This is the seventh year. I think night in, night out. Um, I would just, you know, I, I think I would feel more confident uh, with Moros. But at the same time, you know, Amon is going to be a player for the future. And like Ryan said, you got to try and try and find those moments. On this notion of Becca Moros, we're going to have her on the podcast actually either next week or the week after. So be on the lookout for that incredibly 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 excited one of the you know her teammates call her the smartest player on the team so it's going to be a blast to pick her brain and talk footy board and um you know sort of the global game so that that should be really really good um for we four from the royal bruins we just didn't look like we wanted to win so disappointing yeah. On that same note, Abby said the same thing. Everyone I talked to about this said the same thing. They're not trying. They don't look like they even care. It seems like they've lost all passion and just drive. They don't go after the ball. Once they lose it, they let it go. There's no fight. It breaks my heart. How Do y'all f- feel this? Do y'all relate to that, watching that game? It, it didn't look like it was a game they wanted to win. Um I mean, even if you just look at the stats themselves, <laughs> Sky Blue wanted it more. Um, as far as like the shots, you know, just the first 15 games, I'm like, what is going on? How is Sky Blue on the offensive third more than Utah is? So it, it really just comes down to, I think Sky Blue wanted it more than Utah. And there were just so many, I think there the few chances Utah had, they didn't even finish. I mean, A-Rod had a couple of opportunities. No, I think she had one opportunity. Um, And then Gunny was there, and she has to. That's why you're there. (laughs) You know, like, you should have been able to finish that. Like, you were wide open. Um, Yeah, to me, Gunny does not look like the same player from last year, but... I guess that's another story for another day. 
I, I agree with that. And also I want to echo the sentiments again that you said is that like, we don't want to be critical in the club. It's really hard to, I think, have these conversations and these negative conversations when like, I know a hundred percent, like there are people who work at the club who are listening to this the morning it goes up and it's not a hit on anyone. We, we want what's best for the club, but I think we can all agree like what we've seen, it's not good enough. It's disappointing. And we hope to see, hope to see that fire a little bit more. Ryan, what about you? I, well, I think to try and to try and maybe soften some of that a bit. Um, I mean, w- one thing I do hear a lot of people say is that if you're, if you're, if you really care, you're, you're going to be critical at times. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it, it doesn't come out of a place of meanness, anything that we're, that we're thinking about or, or discussing. Certainly um, it is, it's, it's, we want, um, I, what I've always said, especially when people have gotten really negative on teams that I support is that um, I, I don't honestly, I have a really hard time believing that I or anybody else not out actually on that soccer field wants it any more than they do. That's what they do, and they and they love the game, um, and and so with that in mind, like we don't know. And uh, Brian Dunseth says this a lot about RSL when people ask him things. He's like, I'm not at practice. I'm I'm not you know in their team meetings. I don't go to their film sessions. I to to know why you know the exact reasons why they looked the way they did the other night in New Jersey. You'd have to be there all the time um to to it's it's hard to to say why they didn't seem like they were ready or why they didn't have you know the what looked like a full effort uh, you know it would be you know maybe they thought they did but you know in the moment um you know i i always want to believe that they're that they are trying their hardest even when it doesn't look like it um but I, I don't disagree with, you know, I think I think that's part of where my observations of of how they looked just like they were drifting out there come from is that, yeah, you've got to be you've got to be putting a little more effort into it when you so that when you have the chance, the the moment to make a difference in a match, you're ready um, and getting a pass. If you know if you're facing your own goalkeeper and you get the ball. It, 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 you've got to turn around immediately. Uh, you you have to have been looking over your shoulder to say, if the ball came to me, where do I turn? Which direction? You know, wh- where are the defenders leaning? How do I how do I make something happen when I turn towards the the goal I'm trying to score on? And you, you know, because there's always an opportunity behind you, um, and you have to be thinking that step ahead to go find it. But um, yeah, I don't know. It's 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 probably, you know, it could be I hate to say it, something as simple as, you know, with with Sauerbrunn not there and with Corsi who would be kind of like a backup captain in her place and certainly she's captain of her own national team um without like O'Hara's influence in the locker room on a day-to-day basis, maybe they maybe some of their 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 fire is is missing. Um from those leaders, you know, that even in their down moments, the, you know, they're the, the players that go into the locker room and pick everybody up and say, you know, get out there and get after it. And, you know, that, that could be about to make all the difference for this team is, is getting that, that kind of leadership back and that mentality, uh, the drive those players bring. Maybe, maybe, I mean, yeah, I, I definitely think there are other lead, leaders, but you know, the whole, confidence thing may may play into it i don't know like you said we never know we never know um so next comment from the mza utah plays with no urgency or drive and are the least entertaining to watch to laura needs to be asked why she hasn't unloaded some players and brought in some new ones to fill their need during the offseason um, and then a couple questions about Maimon and then the option for maybe a style change to fit personnel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, she has tried to bring in mm-hmm. some players. Um, I mean, Newfield, but 
We really haven't seen her much. I'm trying to think of another player. I mean, so there's been an, an attempt to bring players to do that. Um, yeah, I just don't know how much they really fit into that whole, you know, actual game plan. I agree with that. I, I definitely think she's trying. I wish this person would have pointed out exactly who they're looking at. I think that that would have been helpful because, I mean... Yeah, I, I I don't know how much of this is on is on Laura. I don't know how much of it is on the players. It's just, you know, how do you explain it when everyone just looks tired for ninety minutes? I don't know how to address that. You know, there's there's no accurate way to ascertain that. And even if I did, I wouldn't wouldn't really know how to fix it. We're just coming from an outside perspective. Uh-huh. All right, Cindy, do you want to take this next one? I'm going to do my best. And hopefully my mom is not listening to me. <laughs> okay. Melly said, Se necesita a Vero para they y las jugadores de NTs debe jugar Maimoni por Moros que está en un nivel malo. Weber deben darle la oportunidad de iniciar y Laura les imprima un chip de ganar los partidos que dejen de ser tan planos. Laura sabía de primera mano lo que necesitaba Utah para me mejorar para esta temporada y no hizo los cambios y ajustes necesarios. Fichó a, a Vero Super, pero si no hay quien maneje el balón y creatividad, quien más lo hace, falta una nueva goleadora y extremos. So, yeah. So she's pretty much just saying, you know, what everyone's been saying. You know, Vero is needed. So are the national team players. Maimone should start in place of Moros, who doesn't look her best right now. Weber should start. And, you know, Laura has this chip on her shoulder to um, win the games that she should um, instead of, oh, this one's the one that confused me. Instead of leaving like the bad plants, something like that. I'm sorry, Melly, if I didn't translate all the way through the way. Um, Laura knows what is, ex you know, firsthand what Utah needs to win, what she needed to do for this season for them to win. Um, she hasn't really made the changes or adjustments necessary. Um, sure, she got Vero, um, but they're outside of Vero. There's really nobody else who can you know, uh, handle the ball and you know, take care of the ball for, and be creative. And if Vera isn't there, who else is going to do it? Um, Utah's missing a number nine player. You know, I, I think that begs the question, should there have been more changes in the offseason? I think so. I if, think so too. Yeah, I think Vera was definitely – a great grab but yeah like like Melly said outside of that and Vera has missed what the past three games yeah. um it's it's outside of her who else is gonna be there Scott was gone so yeah I definitely think I think there should have been more I don't know who but it, it makes me wonder what does this team look like with Katrina Gorey right now? Hmm. Hmm. I don't know because Gorey kind of lost her she dropped off towards the end of the season so I don't I, I don't think Gorey is the answer either so yeah yeah I, I, don't, I don't think she's the answer it's just interesting hmm. to think about lineups and how that would work but I I, I definitely would have think you know, would have thought maybe bringing in mm. a different attacking option would have been good. It's going to be real interesting to see what this team looks like. For sure. Next year. For sure. And especially when you look at teams like the teams that lost a lot of national players, like North Carolina, mm -hmm. like Seattle, like I can't think of another team. You know, those teams that lost so many of their national team players, Portland, um, they're, they still found a way to – climb the top of the standings or you know surpass a utah and a washington so 
on that note, here's here's the one of the scarier thoughts I've been thinking about was uh, how Washington started the season kind of surprising everybody with how well they were doing, and they're going to get Rose Lavelle back, who I thought was phenomenal. Like, I considered her the best player on the U.S. through the World Cup. Um, and, like, that's just, like, they're going to be so good. I, I don't know. That's uh, kind, of, kind of a frightening thought. Um, but as far as, like, you know, I've seen some interesting conversations on Twitter the last day or two talking about how little information is actually available to the media in terms of what the exact roster rules in NWSL are and how what the con you know we we don't find out their pay structure we don't find out all that kind of stuff um and then even within you know a team like rsl um and i wonder this about the other or sorry like the royals um and and other teams as well like you know how much is the coach in charge of of decisions on transfers and and signings and things like that um, what roles do the general managers actually play? Like who's calling the shots in terms of that sort of a thing? Whereas like on, on a lot of the men's teams, you know, it's pretty clearly either one or the other that, that does that. Um, so it's, it's so hard for us to, to even speculate reliably on ideas like that, let alone say, um, oh, well, the Royals should have gotten a player. Well, we would love that, but who knows if they even can. You know they're they're so limited in what they're paying these players anyway, um, and then they've got their their contracts with the players they have, and you know you cannot bring in a player from you know Lyon or Wolfsburg on an NWSL salary. You just can't. You know, n- no no one on one of those those giant European teams wants to make forty six thousand dollars a year or less just to play in the NWSL. Because they, you know, they they have better options. Even if the, you know, the league isn't as much isn't as competitive, the Champions League still is, and uh, get a lot more money doing it. Even if it's still, you know, a huge gap between the men and women. There's also, um, you know, sal- salary cap too. Is another thing to keep in mind that it even exists. Um. All right, John says. I mean, our middle looked tons better with Desi back. Corsi looked on form. Amy is still as dangerous as ever. Our rookie Gabby is making a case to be in the starting 11 every week. Lots of good things. Just a really bad match. Yes, disappointing, but we get Becky, Kelly, Kristen Press, and hopefully Vero next week. Um, move Gabby to outside back. Hopefully she can play there. Move Katie Bowen up to midfield. And I believe we are now as dangerous as any team we play. I, I really, really like this. I think the um, the biggest problem coming from the goal and maybe for other sections of the game is that Katie Bowen has been playing in the midfield for New Zealand. And so, um, you know, she may just have that natural inclination to, to go up in, in certain circumstances. And frankly, I would love to see her in the midfield. Uh, we talked about this in the Slack a little bit. Um, maybe give Gunny a game on the bench and just see how it is. Because like you said earlier, Cindy, like it's it's not horrible, but it's definitely not the Gunny that we saw last year. No. Yeah. All right. Keeping to move on because we're already an hour in. Um, <laughs> Woso Joe says... Kelly, Becky, and Press will transform the team. When you take away four of our five best players, then we're definitely not going to look so good. Gabby is developing nicely into a long-term Becky replacement. Still got great fans, owner, coach, still in the playoff race. I really like this from Woso Joe because even though it feels like really deflating just because of the lack of goals scored and how non-purposeful the play play has has seemed, at times, we're still in the playoff race, and that's what counts. And I think that this game against the Thorns is going to be really rejuvenating. I think it could be a slugfest in terms of goals. It's true. Personally. And honestly, if the Royals get beat 4-3, to three, <laughs> I'm, o- I'm okay with that, right? Because we are playing attacking soccer, which is, I think, mm-hmm. what this team needs and what they need bad. What are y'all's thoughts? I think I'm a lot 
For me, I am just a little worried that Friday is going to be just a halftime deal. And I've, you know, we can confirm that with the club, but, you know, they're hyping it as they'll be back. I mean, will they be back as like on the field or are they just like back to make an appearance? I don't know. Because when I think about, because that's kind of what happened at North Carolina this Sunday was, you know, the four national team players were there, but they were just there to do a halftime appearance and post-game appearance. And that's what I'm kind of worried about right now. Um, I mean, then again, I mean, and O'Hara and Press come back tomorrow. So that's my main concern right now. I don't know. Oh, man. I didn't even think about that. You just terrified me. I'm sorry, but it could happen. <laughs> You're fine. I would, I would hope that, I mean, that's a whole week earlier for those players versus that the, like, we're going to be close to two weeks post-World Cup. I, I don't think it's unreasonable to see them all come back and start. Um, I would really hope that they want to, you know? That's kind of what we expect from them uh, at their level is that they, yeah, they won, but they've had their time off and now they're ready to get back into their clubs and get going. Um, mm -hmm. Those would be, I know they're having some, um, maybe we can see if, I don't know if we have anybody that's going to be going to uh, those press conferences they're having tomorrow and Wednesday, but um, that's a question to ask at those. Uh, are, are, you, are, are you guys ready to play on Friday? Hopefully it gets asked. Um, if not by a soapbox writer, but by somebody in the media core um, would be, you know, because I, I would, yeah, I definitely don't want to think about the idea of they're, that they're here, but they're not going to play because, um, you know, un unless unless there's some sort of mutual agreement that um, Heath and Haran and everybody else doesn't play for Portland too. You know, then, 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 then sure. But if they're going to play their players, then we need ours for sure. That was just the thought. I, I mean, it hasn't been confirmed, and you know, hopefully, four years later, there's that. You know, there's that whole urgency, or at least commitment, to get back to your club and play. So, that's a great shout. That's a great shout. So, game against Portland. Um, Probably won't talk about that too much. Draw last time around. Hopefully get some goals. Need some goals. Um, to transition from being the negative Nancys that, you know, we all, all hate to be. Um, and to going into uh, ending out with a more of a positive note with a listener question from Nick B. Um, there has been more feedback this week in terms of the Twitter responses than ever before. Normally, you know, we just say questions, comments, concerns, and we get two or three. This week we got 16. That's a ton. So I think that's pretty indicative that uh, as, as much as we love this club and, uh, you know, as at least on my end, as uncomfortable it feels to be this negative about it publicly, um, you know, so, something's got to happen. Hopefully it will. But uh, sit back, keep supporting. All right. So on a note tactically from Nick, with the Royals having scored the least amount of goals in the NWSL, eight, five of which are coming from Rodriguez, do you see O'Hara playing on the field anywhere other than a striker? I'm hoping for a 4-3-3 formation, Kristen Press on the left, A-Rod Central, and Kelly on the right. Hmm. What do you think, Cindy? Hmm... I don't know. Laura has always said that she wants to keep Kelly in the position she plays for the national team. So I don't know. But at the same time, she has used her, <clears throat> excuse me, in that, you know, offense. Uh, but I think at this point, because of how everything's not going well and there hasn't been a goal in three games, I think you kind of need Kelly up there. Yeah. I agree. I'm a huge proponent of Kelly on the back line. I thought it was weird and I thought that it wasn't the most effective thing when we did it last year, mm. but like you need a spark straight up mm -hmm. and she will bring that energy. So hundred percent do it. Yep. Yep. Ryan. For sure. And I mean, I don't, I don't remember what has been said or not, but I mean, 
while I don't disagree with the coach saying that you want to be consistent with, you know, if a national team player is being used in a certain way uh, for the national team, that they want to have their club minutes reflect that so that they aren't, um, you know, missing or, you know, getting two different vibes as they play. Mm -hmm. But, you know, Kelly will be almost 35 when the next World Cup happens. Um, I thought we were going to say next game. I was like, hold on a second. No, no, no. no. Okay. (laughs) No, but she, she turns 31 in a couple of weeks. So it's like, I mean, I don't want to, I'm not going to tell her she's not going to be playing in the next World Cup, but how involved is she going to be in that next cycle to where Laura can't feel like if she needs a goal scorer or somebody to help with the offense right now, I I say do it. Um, The, I mean, I said it earlier, the speed alone is, I think, worth getting somebody up there to disrupt a back line and provide more options because, a front four of of press Rodriguez and O'Hara with Vero behind them is a scary looking challenge for any defense in the league. So mm-hmm. I would be all for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Yep. I'm game. I'm game. Any ending notes, y'all? I saw a funny tweet. Um. In. In, in 1998, the French men's team won the World Cup, and in 1999, the USA women's team won the World Cup. Flash forward to 2018, France wins the men's World Cup, USA wins the women's cup. So, two, so 2038 and 2039, probably going to be France and the USA again. <laughs> Shout out to Anthony DiCicco, who's a, a pretty a women's soccer legend. Uh, for tweeting that one out there. He, he said, you know, uh, feel free to pay him your money on your bets for forecasting that one if it does come true. <laughs> Maybe it's that weird mid-season slump. That's that, you know, remember last year we were all like, oh, my MG, this is the end of the world. This is bad. First season is crap. And then, and then they almost made it into the playoffs. So I'm going to be positive, Patty. <laughs> There you go. And, and I think they're going to be okay. Like it looks like I said on Friday, that's it's not the end of the world. There's still plenty of season left. Everyone come people come back. It'll be great. It'll be fine. Ooh. Bold bold words we, we, there. We go in there again. Uh, I could not think of a better ending. All right. Sucks for the Thanks win. Thanks for listening. All right. Thanks for listening to the Utah Royal SFC show, everybody. Take care.